Hi guys, Justin here. Welcome to episode 32 of the Chocolate Croissants podcast. This week on the podcast, we have Jake Bowen. Jake is one of the three guitar players of the band that Matt plays drums for, Periphery. This was a solo venture for Matt as he and the band are currently on a U.S. tour, and the episode was actually recorded in the back of their tour bus. The two discuss life on the road, the change and growth of the band's dynamic over the many years of touring, and how Jake has matured through the process. One specific topic the guys dive into is bullying. As a kid, Jake moved around and was often the quote new kid in school. Jake as the new kid in town was often picked on and the experiences forced him to develop thick skin. He had to adapt and become quite good at being on his own most of the time. Let's be honest, bullying sucks, but what's super refreshing is that Jake explains his experiences from a positive and optimistic standpoint with an inspiring view that I think everyone will benefit from. Now, speaking of something else, I think everyone, or at least everyone with tattoos or those considering getting some ink done, will benefit from is our sponsor for this week's episode. This episode is brought to you by our good friends at Nata Tattoo. They are a certified, all-natural, all-vegan, and all-organic tattoo care brand. Their tattoo care kit covers all steps from how to treat and protect your fresh tattoos to how to keep them healthy and looking great even once they've fully healed. Matt has been our guinea pig since he is covered in ink and he's always struggled with finding the best aftercare treatment due to his super sensitive skin. He's been using the Nata Tattoo Care Kit and loving it. He started with the cleanser for the first few days, then applied the lotion and has continued now using their balm. Matt has said that the cleanser was easy on his skin, the lotion reduces the risk of inflammation and infection, and the balm has kept everything looking restored and fresh. Matt also added that he used the moisturizer and the balm on his older tattoos, and it was pretty freaking cool how much they pop even now, years later. Matt and I met the company's founder, Christy, at Health Expo East when it was in town in Baltimore a few months ago. And what was cool is that the company actually started when Christy was in search, the best product for her own kids' uh, sensitive skin, similar to Matt's. This led to the formation of a luxury bath products company. But once her kids got older and started getting tattoos, her motherly instincts kicked in once again, which led to the creation of Nata Tattoo. So whether you have existing tattoos or you're in the process of getting fresh ones now, we'd recommend giving Nata Tattoo a try. They've been kind enough to provide you, the Chocolate Croissants listeners, with a discount code, which gets you 25% off any of the products in their store. Simply visit natatattoo.com. That's N-A-T-A-T, the number two, dot com, and use the code in all caps, CHOCOLATE25, the number's 25, at checkout. You can also check them out on Instagram at natatattoo. That's N-A-T-A-T-A-T, the number two. And once again, you can get your discount by using the code all caps, chocolate, the number two, five, chocolate 25 at checkout. Now, please enjoy episode 32 with Jake Bowen. Hey guys, Matt Hoppern here with episode 32 of the Chocolate Croissants podcast. And uh, I'm broadcasting to you today from Philadelphia in the back of Periphery's tour bus. We've been on the road now for just about two weeks. And we're approaching the midway point of the tour, and I think everybody's doing pretty good overall. It's been um, it's been a bit of an interesting run so far. Um, the shows have been great; they've 
really been a lot of fun. The venues that we're playing are awesome. Um, and, uh, and I think, you know, from a performance perspective, everybody in periphery, you know, we're really happy with what we've been doing and any, any big issues that we've seen, we've been able to critique and try to make better. And of course the fans have been super supportive and super awesome. So we're excited about that. Um, on the other side, it just seems like, you know, there's, there's just a lot of, um, a lot of personal stuff going on for a lot of the members of the band. And, um, it definitely makes touring, uh, harder when you're away from things at home. And as you guys know, uh, for those that are really avid listeners, you know, I missed actually the Mexico show, uh, because I had some stuff going on with, uh, with a family member, which I believe I mentioned in episode 30. Um, and it's still been kind of a, a lingering ongoing thing. So it's, it's been really, challenging in some ways but also really rewarding to be able to get to play the shows every night despite the challenge and one of the things that's really been keeping me excited every day and keeping me going in you know really on a on a, on a positive um trajectory has been um being with my bandmates you know these guys are my brothers we've been together now for almost 10 years and we've done countless tours together been through some of the you know, most crazy ups and downs that there could possibly be. And the consistent thing through all that has been the support that comes from all of us and each other. Um, so with that in mind, I thought it'd be very fitting today to have someone who's been a very, very, um, great support for me, uh, on the podcast. And that is my band member, Mr. Jake Bowen, who is here with me now. So hi, Jake. Say hello. Hi. Hi. Um, so Jake's been dealing with my bullshit for quite a many years now, but, um, you know, I remember the first time that Jake and I hung out when I was first really auditioning for the band. You came up to my house. Yeah. I was the first one there. Yeah. You were the first one there. I remember we went out, we got gas. You were in like some old ass car. Yeah. Yeah. It was like your mom's car or something. Well, yeah, it was my mom's car. She pretty much gave it to me and then I destroyed it. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, but yeah, that was a, that was a long time ago. You had your uh, your your Jet Reznor haircut. Yeah, I, had, I think I had a really weird a we- weird haircut and the, the goatee. I had a, had a I had a goatee which looked like I fell in the mud and didn't wipe the dirt off of my chin. <laughs> yeah, people who who have followed the band for a while will definitely know what that's about. Um, but anyway, Jake and I had a brief chat before we did this and. Um, Jake actually mentioned some things that he wanted to dig into today that I think is very, very fitting for a lot of the conversations that we've had on, on the Chocolate Croissants podcast, a lot of the questions that I've seen come through. Um, and I kind of want to just let you dig in a little bit, you know, kind of as to what you wanted to talk about, because to preface this, like who I see as Jake Bowen now is a very well-rounded, very grounded, very confident and um, very secure person who seems to really know themselves. Like you, you, that That's what I see, and I think everybody in the band kind of looks at you that way. For those that don't know, Jake is definitely the most, I think, stoic member of the band, and you're also typically pretty introverted. Like, you keep to yourself when you want to, and you have no problem doing things on your own. Like, if if the whole group is going off to get food somewhere that you don't want to go to, you're just like, yeah, fuck it. I'll go to, by myself to, <laughs> to eat. Yeah. I, I think, I think it's just a matter of, uh, knowing what I want and knowing when it's healthy to kind of give yourself some space. So that's kind of, that's, that's why I do that. But I'm curious because like for me, I, I always 
would probably opt to be a part of the group unless I'm really tired or unless, as you said, I really need that space. So do you think that stems from being an only child, you know, growing up, um, you know, having to entertain yourself, having to do a lot of things yourself? I mean, what, what, it, what we wanted to talk about today really stems from Jake's past as a kid um, and how over the years he's grown into the person that he is. So, I mean, let's start with that because I think that your, um, your kind of, for lack of a better word, love for solitude sometimes, I would imagine comes from how you were as a child. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, we had a brief discussion about what we were going to touch on. Um, but it's really quite a, a deep topic because of, um, the way that it's coming out in public now where like you know bullying and and kids being treated differently at school and all that stuff it affects it affects you in a very profound manner so you know i'm not any different i'm not special or anything but it you know i definitely had a bit of a my own struggle of you know getting to know who i was and you know and and doing that virtually on my own you know i had great family support but they can't be there at school and they can't be there like for every important moment of my life just because it's, you know, that's just the way that it works. But, um, you know, I think like one of the first things I'd like to touch on is just how growing up as an only child is a v an incredibly different experience, a life-changing experience than growing up with siblings. And I think it like kind of cascaded throughout my whole life because you know, when you're at home and you have brothers and sisters kind of beating up on you and picking on you and kind of making you, like, making those survival instincts kick in, you're a bit more prepared for a public, you know, entering the public uh, at a younger age. Whereas, like, me, you know, it was just me and my mom for a long time. And my mom is, like, the sweetest woman in the world. And, and I consider her one of my best friends. And we have a really good relationship. And, um, but, you know, like, your mom isn't, like, you know, beating up on you and taking your stuff and, and, you know, really teaching you how to fend for yourself like brothers and sisters normally are. So, you know, when I got into, when I, when I did my first day in, in public school, I made it sound like prison. I did my first stint in public school. Um, <laughs> kind of is. Yeah. I, in a sense, in a sense it is, it's kind of a trial by fire, especially when you're a, a kid and you don't have any sense of what the world is like and you're kind of putting the pieces together on your own and um you know i didn't i didn't fit in because i didn't have the skills or a lot of the skills you gain from you know being around a very active family my mom worked all the time so i was home a lot just by myself and uh you know so i just watched cartoons played legos and you know that was my life and then you know i went into uh went into public school and i realized that you know it can be real brutal and it can really shape who you are as a person at, at a really young age and then you see that how that growth affects you throughout your entire life and I feel like I've been one of the lucky ones but you know there's so many stories of how bullying ruins lives or how like kids segregating into their different cliques can cause division amongst you know kids and and kids aren't good like they're not good diplomatically they just like they 
they have a very high survival instinct because they just they want to just avoid being the target of bad attention or whatever so like for me i i just didn't know that it was that bad so i kind of like went in very optimistically and then i quickly realized it's like wow you know these kids are kind of jerks <laughs> like so. what, what were what were some of your first memories of that kind of thing like what what was the what was the approach that that certain people took with you um i guess like because i grew up with my mom and my mom being the sweet wonderful lady that she is you know that that was imparted to me i was a very sensitive like very open loving kid and to to kids that grow up with like macho dads or macho bros or or whatever that looks like a weakness or like you know um they they just think i'm a wuss or something it just kind of makes me a target and um you know so i i would probably say something completely like you know ignorant or 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 just silly or you know light-hearted and they take that as like wow this guy's such a wuss you know let's let's pick on him like this is the kid we're gonna pick on so without getting into too much detail that's kind of how it started because i just like i didn't know any better i didn't know like how to interact with kids i never had any friends at a really really young age so going straight into public school i had to figure that out real quick yeah how did you well like how did you figure that out what is what was your defense mechanism at, at that age like, i don't think did i do? did i don't think i ever figured it out i and i you know i think i just kind of i think maybe that's where my my uh propensity for like solitude or like just being by myself comes from because like i learned the value in that and how that is uh uh, how that can be a healthy thing I guess when I when I was a kid it wasn't a healthy thing because I would separate myself rather than integrate and it would kind of make me uh, the the black sheep of the group and if there even was a group it just made you know what kids would be like well, why is that kid always just why is he always by himself like why is he always acting weird or whatever like whatever their perception of me was and then that kind of just like got carried along throughout my entire public school career or whatever you want to call it but um but it, it became uh as i got older i guess what i'd say is i was a late bloomer of it and as I got older I kept being thrust into situations that would help me grow slowly and and very slowly and behind the rest of my peers um, but uh, you know those first you know the first six grades and and then junior high and then high school were incredibly difficult because I had no context I had no idea how to be in a group or like how to I don't know, like, I, I, I even accept some of the blame for that at this point, because it's just like, you know, like, maybe I didn't know, maybe I was ignorant to, like, how to just how to be a good hang, mm -hmm. but, um, but it, you know, I can see, you know, I can kind of remember specific instances where, like, you know, I was standoffish, or I had a scowl on my face, or something little that would, like, put people off from wanting to befriend me, so... Well, at what point, because I know you do have some really old friends, like good friends, at what point did you meet, like, friends like Dave, or, like, other, when when did you start actually having at least some group? Was that integrated and, and related to music? Um, yeah, you know, I, I didn't, it's not that I didn't have any friends, like, growing up, it's just that, like, in school, 
you don't really have an, a lot of time to hang out with them. And then a lot of my friends went to different schools. Um, I moved around a lot. And uh, I guess, like, you know, like somebody like Dave, who you know really well because he's always, like, supported us and um, he's always come to our shows and stuff. But I met him after I got out of high school. And oh. it's, it's, it, that's, it's interesting you bring him up because he's a very very good example of kind of the person that I was so uh, this is a funny story um, right after high school it was like 2001 I moved upstate New York uh, with my mom and I immediately got a job and I, ro I enrolled in community college just because I needed to do something with my time and I wasn't prepared for college like real college and I just didn't know what I wanted to do I had no ambitions and no goals no direction so I got a job at Radio Shack in the mall and um that's where I met Dave and I uh I guess like you know it was like the first couple of days or maybe like the first two weeks of me working there my my driver's license had fallen out of my wallet or my pocket or something it just ended up on the floor and um I guess he had he had found it and he was like giving it back to me but I guess like the way that I reacted to him because I had no sense of who I was he thought like I was like mad at him or like that I thought that he may have like taken that from me and he was just like messing with me right and I you know I fully accept the fact that I was probably a dick about it or something can I say dick yeah you can okay. say fuck dick okay shit, I was I, I was trying to censor myself but I was just uh, wasn't sure um but yeah so you know I, I thought <laughs> I love how I threw out like that group of, of words but yeah you can say anything you want okay cool it's fine. Yeah. I, I, I'll, uh, I'll keep it as family oriented as possible um, but um, <laughs> but you know Dave was just handing me my license back like here you go you dropped this and I was just I guess I like looked at him in a way or I didn't like I wasn't like thankful that he kind of saved my ass at that point like you know I, at that age you don't want to lose your driver's license it would suck um, sucks at any age but uh he was such a nice guy and he could see that like you know there was something behind that scowl or something behind my personality that was worth getting to know so he like you know he he was uh, persistent about you know trying to be my friend at work and uh you know that really kind of started me on a path of like well maybe maybe it's something that i'm doing yeah sure there are jerks in the world and there you know there's plenty of them and and they're definitely to blame but like what am i doing that's putting people off from getting to know me and like getting to you know being able to have meaningful friends and relationships and stuff so like i really owe a lot to him and he always you know he'll always bring that up because he thinks it's a he thinks it's hilarious but well, well, what just out of curiosity what was your actual reaction to him i don't really remember i mean he just said that like i like scowled at him and i and back then i never smiled like i and i i just it was just kind of like this thing that i took with me growing up that i was just like you know can't smile can't can't show these people that i'm happy because when the moment i do then they pick on me or something you know it's like some psychological discord that like made me look like that um so uh i guess i was probably like thanks right instead of oh dude thank you like which is the way that i would react now like you know let me let me get you lunch or something thank you for finding my stuff you know and and uh i that's how i react now but back then it wasn't appropriate you know and i i'm thankful that he saw through the fact that i was acting you know I, that my reaction to that could have been better. Yeah. Well, it's interesting. And I don't, I, you know, like when you were in high school, I remember some story 
Or at least I remember the remnants of some story where, like, some dude was being a dick to you, and you were just kind of like, fuck you. Like, yeah, there was, there, yeah, there's, there's probably a handful of those, yeah. Um, I don't want to name any names, because, like, I'm sure they're nice people now, and, and they, they, they likely feel bad about acting like a jerk, and there's a really good chance they don't even remember it, so. Yeah. But I remember it because it's just something that I've taken with me, you know, and this is, this is why I wanted to bring this up because it's like you, like people need to understand when they're, when they become parents that their kids need to be good people. They need to be good citizens. They need to help people. They need to not like segregate and and divide. But, um, but anyways, uh, you know, this kid, what happened was after elementary school, I moved away. And I was like, cool, I can start over, like, new friends. Where, where were you and where did you go? I, I lived in a town called Suffer, New York, which is funny because it sounds like suffering. It's <laughs> funny. Um, and, then, uh, and then I moved upstate to uh, a town called Southfields, which is, which is in between Tuxedo and, uh, and Monroe. Uh, and it's, like, in the middle of nowhere, uh, essentially. Uh, but, um, but I went there for a few months, and I really didn't, like... I was kind of a ghost there. I just kind of just went to my classes and 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 that's it. I, I didn't really make any friends there. I it if it went by so lightning fast. I was there for about like six or seven months, that um, that I really just didn't have a chance to do anything. And uh, there was like some some family illness stuff going on at that time, so I was just like completely distracted from school. Then like towards the end of that that year, my mom decided that we were going to move back to Suffern. So I basically entered in junior high, seventh grade, like while the the year was almost done, and um, you know a bunch of the same bullies were still there acting the same way, and but by that point I was so like just like kind of I was starting to develop my skin and my like just my ability to kind of stand up for myself and then not take any shit. So this one guy in particular who was like one of like my main bully like in in elementary school started picking on me um and then i was just like this motherfucker can't be serious like seriously like i i didn't even say any like anything to him and he just like started coming up like almost like a you know kind of like a bad dog you know so then like i just I, i just turned around without saying a word grabbed him by his shirt like walked him over to a staircase and pushed him up against it and i said stop fucking with me and i shook him against the staircase (laughs) dropped him and it it, it just i kind of just saw red and that was like the moment that i really started sticking up for myself in those situations i mean it got worse before it got better but that was kind of like the moment that i knew like i'm not gonna like let these people walk on me anymore you know yeah did i mean and did that make an impact specifically with him like did he I think so. I mean, he he didn't he like stopped messing with me after that, and like I, you know, I guess like, you know, it, it, I mean, he was still kind of a jerk, and and I don't know like like how he turned out as a as a human being, but like you know, I don't I can't recall anything after that that I was just like, well, man, like this is gonna be a war, you know? And right. So it kind of was like I you know I set the. I set the mood, so to speak, that like you know, dude, if you're gonna if you're gonna come after me now, like it's gonna be a problem for you, you know. And and I felt really good about that. It was empowering, and you know, I it's so. I don't I don't advise that kids do that because like you got you got to be so careful now with like the internet and people filming stuff, 
and and also like you don't want to actually hurt someone like you you want that you want to get the message across but it's you know you you take a gamble when you're fighting somebody especially when you're a kid and you don't know what your limits are yet you can kill someone and it's you know i don't know how common it is i don't know the data but like for me like fighting is a last resort and I, you know i wasn't i wasn't i wasn't really proud of myself the thing i was happy with was that i was left alone so right. it, it 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 was a conflicting thing but it it, it ended up being a, a positive thing right right i saw two things one um I saw this video recently that was totally heartbreaking on Facebook, and it was a mother talking about her son who was bullied. And um, basically in high school, this particular kid was extremely different from everybody else. He was into fishing, he was into hunting, and some people who are listening may have seen this video, and if so, you know what I'm talking about, but he was into hunting and fishing and trapping and, um, you know, looked different than everybody, but was apparently a really sweet kid and did have some very, very good friends that were of similar, you know, had similar interests as, as him. But um, it started, I guess, in school with like, you know, bullying verbally, um, people making fun of him, you know, and he would say things like, man, like, why, why, like, why do you hate me? Like, I haven't done anything to you like I, I'm not, I don't even talk to you like I avoid you I walk the other way and like you just you, you keep seeking me out and um it just progressively got worse where they would pour, I think she was saying like they would like pour trash on him and they would like do things to him like in you know in gym class and as a sidebar Jake I don't know if you remember but we were when we were at our um our all things periphery summer jam camp a couple of summers ago now there was a lot of conversation that I at least had with a lot of the kids who had been bullied and some of the shit that I heard they went through was mind-boggling to me like people having their like jock straps rubbed in their faces and like you know underwear thrown on them and shit like stapled to them that's like shit you see in movies yeah it's horrific it's it's yeah. it, it's it's terrific and and I've, I've talked about this too on the podcast like I'm lucky because I never really had to experience that, probably because I was always bigger than everybody else. It has a lot to do with it. Definitely. Phys physical stature is a, a big reason why I was picked on, because I'm the, I'm the small guy, you know? I, and I, I can understand that, but going back to this story, you know, at one point, th these kids started telling the, the, the kid who was bullied, like, you know what, man, like, you should just kill yourself. Like, you know, do yourself a favor, do everybody a favor, and just kill yourself. Um, you know, man up and do it, like don't be a pussy, just, just do it, and, um, the kid, like, responded back on a text to the kid, like, he was like, you know what, fine, I will, like, you know, I'm, I'm gonna, and then, I guess the next day at lunch, he told people at the lunch table, and nobody took it seriously, and on the bus ride home, like, the bus driver was like, all right, well, you know, we'll see you tomorrow, and he's like, no, you won't, and, um, I guess he texted his one really good friend, and was like, I'm gonna do this, like, and I guess the friend called the mom and called the, they called the neighbors and, and so forth. And the, the, the result of the story was that um, they showed up too late and he had taken a shotgun and killed himself. And that, to me, is just one of the most like disgusting things that could possibly happen because of bullying and other people, you know, basically demoralizing you and taking away your self-worth and I think the point now you dealt with it 
well because you developed your thick skin and you just said, fuck it, I'm not going to take it. But there's a lot of people out there, I think, that probably don't have that same confidence who maybe are impressionable at a young age and feel like high school or middle school, whatever it is, is like the end-all, be-all pinnacle of what it's going to be. That's and, very true. And it's not. Yeah. Like, I, I, I wish I had known that kid because I would have totally told him to forget all that stuff, to do what you want to do, to like, to, to, to just either defend yourself. And in that case, like, yeah, fuck yeah. Like defend yourself. Like, even if you do get in trouble in school, it's so much better to get in trouble in school because you're defending yourself and you're growing that thick skin and you're developing those skills than to have the result be what it was. Yeah. I mean, I think like it it is a parenting issue and I don't want to like put all the blame on the parents because that's just, that's that's not productive because like kids past a certain age have a sentience that is completely their own and they can make their own decisions and they at that point they should know right from wrong but it's like there is some sort of like there's some sort of lapse in that transition between the kids like going to public school from like just being at home like being watched by their parents all the time so i believe that like in that moment like parents have to do everything they can to to impart the 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 importance of harmony amongst children and how dangerous that can be because if you're not careful if you like let your kid act a certain way or you're not proactive in like trying to solve a problem you get things like columbine and 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 all the other like horrific shootings that keep happening and you know, that's a whole nother, there's a whole nother uh, series of debates that, that go into that. So it's just like, you know, I, I, I think, I think that like, now I will say there, there were some, there, there was probably like a few kids who did have that sense, who were like, who were good people. And I'll, I'll name this guy because he's just, he was always the coolest dude. And, uh, he, his name was Ronan Burns and he like, he was, a, he was well-liked. Everybody thought he was cool. And when I got when I got there that first that first week that the, in the seventh grade I was sitting at the lunch at one of these lunch tables in this enormous cafeteria filled with kids I didn't even know, and he's like, "Yo, dude, come sit with us," and like that was like the best thing that ever happened to me, you know. And it, it's like in that moment because I you know I felt like oh wow I don't have to be alone out here, you know. And in, and in a sense that's real school is really like prison because it's just like you have to go to this building have to interact with these people you have to interact with the authority and it's just like you know as a kid you don't know any better so it's funny you brought up lunch because that was my next question i was going to ask you what was the what was lunch like for you in in high school because that's where it really was evident who the kids were that were well really in every different kind of group you know you had the the jocks you had the popular kids you had the rebellious kids um, but then there were a lot of kids that you could tell were just kind of like on their own and, and sometimes they would gravitate towards each other. Um, and I don't want to say they were quote unquote nerds or dorks or things like that, that I would like would hear people say, because man, like I still know some of these kids and they're really fucking great people. Yeah. You know, just yeah. despite that. So I, I won't label them in any way. And I was always, um, I, I don't know. You can ask my mom. She, she'll tell you like. I always had a big heart. Like, I wouldn't feel right about kids being picked on. I would come home from school. Um, she'll tell you a story about, like, I was on the bus one time, and this kid was getting picked on, and I defended 
the kid and I came home and I was just like I was crying I was like a, I was a mess because it's like I didn't understand what the fuck they would have any reason to do that for yeah and um I would always try to be nice to everybody be friends with everybody I th- you know at least it's I think you know it's hard to recall a lot of those situations but yeah. but what was lunch like for you in high school it was uh it was a lot different because my high school i don't know how many high schools do this it was actually one of these things that i wasn't anticipating but they had this thing called unit lunch and like a b c lunches or i i believe there were two lunch periods um but they were back to back and what would happen is you were able to eat your lunch or hang out anywhere you wanted in the building Mm. like anywhere and so while that's a great idea because you don't have like the whole like prison cafeteria thing happening um people would start to go into their cliques and you'd have you know certain more dangerous kids roaming the hallways kind of like little like gangs roaming around and everything so like you know you kind of knew where in the building you know where you could be where you weren't gonna get chip tripped or shoved or like you know hollered at or whatever it was um so once i discovered like kind of like who my group was which i had i had good friends sort of like and and i don't want to i'm still friends with some of them today so i don't want to diminish their role of like who they were in my life at all like they were they were they were good friends to me at that moment but like when i got out of high school and i started meeting people like dave and ellie and you guys and all that stuff like i kind of like discovered like what true friendship is and what it like really feels like um and uh so like i would go to whatever part of the building that was hang out with those kids and then just move on with my day but it wasn't like um it wasn't really like special or anything i didn't like have any good bonding time with them so it was still like even though i was with other people i was still isolated Mm mm-hmm I got you. Okay. So when did like when did music or um music or guitar come into play for you as as maybe a a hobby at first um and when did it become the thing that you knew you wanted to really do? Uh well that started really young. I I, I was probably like 8 years old when uh when I discovered like okay, I want to play the guitar and uh I probably want to be in a band and and all that stuff. Like I I knew that young because my mom took me to a music store. I think she was buying sheet music for, like, an opera or something, or uh, she used to play the flute and the classical guitar, so she's always at the music store getting sheet music, and I would tag along and see all, like, the the cool instruments on the wall, and that's kind of, like, how I knew. And everybody in my family played, too, so it was easy to kind of see, like, oh, yeah, you know, being a musician is a, uh, you know, that's that's a normal thing. Um, But... once I was able to start bringing my guitar to school, I would do that. And I would just play guitar in the hallways and, and, and just kind of like be by myself. They, in high school, they had this thing called Guitar Club. So like after you were done eating your lunch, you could go to any one of these clubs and there was a guitar club. However, like a lot of the kids who were like kind of uh, aggressive or like just kind of like, they were like those borderline bullies where they're like, they don't, they're not nice to you, but they don't like, you know, shove you or whatever um but they would always kind of like hog the the you know there was like kind of this one band that would just play the entire time and not let any of the other people Mm -hmm. that were like trying to like wait for their turn right um so like i stopped going to that pretty quickly but uh 
but yeah, that was kind of it. Like for four years, it was just the same thing every day. Like just, you know, get your lunch, go find some place where your friends are hanging out and, and just sit there and that's it. There was nothing meaningful about it. And, uh, and you know, at that age, some of those other kids, some of those bullies were, were a lot scarier, you know, like they were like, they were serious. Like they were, they were doing drugs they um they were definitely like all having sex with each other like it was just like they were trying to act like adults so like if you said anything or looked at them like you know cockeyed like you're gonna get hurt like it wasn't like you know it wasn't like a a shoving match like these kids like you know there was one kid in particular who like everybody was scared of because they knew that he had guns at home and they knew that he carried a knife with him all the time and he was just kind of a, a fuck up like a, it, he ended up he ended up committing suicide because he was just like so messed up in the head but like um you know i was scared of that kid like i, I didn't trust him he you know he targeted me one time uh, and like i just kind of like kept my mouth shut because like i was worried that he's gonna like stick a knife in me mm. you know and like that's in high school that's pretty scary stuff for a kid to be dealing with so um it was made made me even more isolated i guess yeah i can imagine so well so and when did um when did like when did you start playing in bands when did the music thing become more than just a hobby for you well uh it went and came in phases like in high school i had my friend harry who was a uh he was a drummer and we we would just get together in his basement and and just jam on stuff that that we thought sounded cool we didn't we didn't know anything about composition or writing songs or uh even like like good practicing habits that came way later but it was just kind of a thing to pass the time and like something to to make us feel cool and tell people about yeah we're a band you know but uh we never really went anywhere but that was the first time i ever played with like another drummer so um and then like uh i guess like the first time i ever played on stage had to be way later like in 2004 maybe maybe 2003 no it was like 2004 um I joined a, a hardcore band because I just wanted to play. I was like tired of like not like getting any stage time or like learning how to load in or going to the venue or selling tickets or whatever. And so like even though like I wasn't like big, I didn't know anything about hardcore. I ended up getting fired from that band because, and, and I and I shit you not, the phone call was like, hey Jake, look man, like we really like you, but like your your style isn't like what we're looking for. And I'm like. What do you, what's wrong with my style like do I suck at guitar and he's like no that's the problem like you like you play like metal and like you like want to like you know tread and we just like want riffs you know so yeah. like yeah. um so it was like kind of like this like compliment but I was really destroyed because I was like oh man that was <clears throat> I got fired okay now I know what that feels like um yeah uh, yeah <laughs> I can relate to that yeah it's like it, it's like you get you get fired for like the thing you're trying not to I get. I don't know. It's weird. But it's funny. I mean, we we now it's still a very similar thing. Like in the history of our band, there's been people that have come and gone. Um, people have auditioned at different points, 
who have been pretty good. Yeah. But yeah. they're just not the right fit. Exactly. You know, and now I think we understand that a lot more than, than maybe you did back then. Yeah, back then I was like, nah, like, this guy's just messing with me. He thinks I suck, but, like, wants to, like, make it real soft for me, you know? And, like, but no, it really is, like, a thing. Like, you have to have the right people. And, like, you know, there's a million musicians out there who are better than me that will, like, that that could play this music but if they're not the right fit like personality wise or just stylistically it's just not going to work so yeah so uh <clears throat> just to touch on that a minute what do you think of the personality mixture that we have going on on this bus and like <laughs> because here's here's why i ask this because i get i get messages a lot and i'm sure you do too after nolly left the band um who is our bass player for those that don't know who that is a lot of people have asked like um hey you know can i audition can i join the band or you know you guys gonna whatever like and we we've made a pretty clear decision that we're not going to be taking on another player i think a lot of that has to do with what i was asking you about like the dynamic of all of us yeah it's uh it's like this thing that we've uh kind of knew what we wanted but also stumbled into because for and you were there for a really big part of this the the early development of the band it's just like when you have the wrong people in the group they're not bad people they're great musicians it's just that certain things that don't mesh well with each other creates a toxic environment that can destroy a band and you know it's it's not like I'm like doomsaying or anything, but this band has been close to annihilation several times because of the personnel not meshing or not making the right decisions together or people rubbing the you know another person the wrong way over a long period of time to where it's like creating resentment and it's like you know I talk about this a lot in when people talk about the band when I'm talking with people about the band or like in interviews or whatever it is it's that like we are so lucky that we have what we have now because in most cases it's like a toxic relationship it gets worse before it'll ever get better and then it just ends in breakup divorce or you know dissolving the band and lucky for us like we figured out our personnel issues we figured out our communication issues we've learned how to communicate with each other in a way that's healthy for the greater good because we understand that like not only do we love the band and and we want it to we want it to go on as long as we can make it go on in a healthy manner but we've discovered that we all love each other and like that's the hardest thing because once you know resentment is built and once people spend enough time together where they're just like they're they're just like I'm done I don't want to hang out with this person anymore like it went in the opposite direction with us once we figured out what you know what each other is like really like what they want what their you know their personalities are like now like this is the best it's ever been amongst us together and to me I can't you know I'm so grateful for that because like you you know we we joke about it about like other bands how they like especially like really big bands that are just together because they know it's like a fat paycheck but they get like their separate bus and they get like you know they don't talk to each other until they have to go on stage or whatever yeah. and it's just like man that's not worth it to me like i want if i'm gonna be out here i'm not gonna be alone 
hanging out with you guys is like the best part of being on tour. It's better than playing the show. It's better. It's just like hanging out with you guys, going to breakfast, talking shit. Like that is absolutely the most fun part. So if like you take that away, for me, there's nothing left. Yeah. Um, and I think like it's absurd that. I mean, whatever makes you happy. If you're willing to set aside your differences to, you know, keep the machine running and keep the company going, and that's okay with you, and you're happy with that by all means but for me that's not worth it and I think for a lot of the guys in this band that's not worth it so uh, luckily we love each other and, and it's it's just gotten healthier and we've learned the value of good communication that's one of those things that people always say oh well, you just gotta communicate and it's like no that's that's cliche when you say it like that learning to communicate is what you have to do anybody can communicate but learning like what each individual person is on the inside is like how we've all learn to deal with each other and I can't like I'm grateful that everyone realized that because you always get like one or two or most of the people like not realizing that and then you know you're right back where you started it's it's also holding each other accountable and um by no means what I'm about to say is like me tooting my own horn but you know I I got wind of some things yesterday um because I've been, because with what I've been dealing with at home and I've been traveling sort of back and forth on the days off and, you know, making myself as available as I can to home while balancing the tour, it created a little bit of, um, uh, un, uh, un, unease, I guess, with you guys, because it's funny that the, the flow of communication sometimes doesn't make its way through everybody. <laughs> and, um, and, you know, I, I, really was was communicating with one person that's part of our group and hoping that that person would you know share the information with everyone and that didn't happen so when I got wind that there were some questions and that people were curious and they were concerned and worried um, the first thing that I did as uncomfortable as this may be for some other people to do was when we were sitting right back here where we are now in the back lounge like Jake you were here with Misha you guys were having a conversation I came back and I was just like, hey, like, I heard that people were curious and talking when I wasn't around. Um, and I want to clarify, I never, and no one in this band ever, is concerned anymore about people talking shit. Because that's something that we've eliminated from the, the culture of this group. No one talks shit behind each other's backs. But there is, of course, when there's concerns or when there's questions, they're... they're you know, they're brought up and I wasn't around. So rightfully so these conversations happened when I wasn't there, but we called everybody into the room. You know, we saw, we all sat back here and aside from, you know, without divulging everything that we discussed, what I did really notice about the whole conversation was that it was just such a difference between how we would have communicated two years ago, you know, in a room where what we're doing is being completely honest despite the potential implications, despite other people's feelings, despite um, what it might mean in the future for certain things, you know, and I don't want to alarm anyone. There's nothing like that's terrible. <laughs> but but the point is, it's like there's a, there were hard conversations can be had now completely above the boards with everybody in the room. And, and it takes a long time. It took us a long time to be able to get to that point. But yeah. I try to practice that now in every relationship that I have, and with you guys, it's definitely the probably the easiest because we've done it so much now. Yeah, and know? it can also be a proving ground for like when you need to do it outside of uh, outside of the band. You can kind of get your 
your practice on like how you would handle a situation because we're all we're all so easygoing with each other now. Um, but yeah, that's the, I'm glad you brought that up because that's like a, that's how we save our band is and that's how we nurture our relationship with each other and how there's not like resentment amongst us because we're just like you know it's like hey you want to talk about this let's everybody's here let's talk about it and like nobody raises their voice everybody listens everybody waits for people to finish like it used to be like you know somebody would say something somebody another person would get defensive talk over that person then the voices would get raised and it's just like you know that's a very typical reaction but because we've learned how important it is to communicate with each other in a very specific way that's unique to each individual you know we get we got to the bottom of some some really really good stuff and we you know at the end of the conversation we were all saying i love you to one another so like you know how many bands do that like i don't think very many just based on what i know about the industry so i'm just like i'm so grateful yeah for sure and i think we came to a good consensus of like how as a I think over the past bunch of months we've been communicating honesty and sharing our truth with each other about how we want to function as a band over the next bunch of years you know we've we've gotten to a point where each of us have our own needs as humans not just band members and I think that it's interesting to see now how everyone is extremely open to accommodating certain things and certain needs and I'm excited more so than I was the day before yesterday now that we had this talk to really just kind of like see how things are going to unfold with the band knowing that we are a strong unit yeah. and that we can we can weather good and bad things yeah. you know so the pressure has changed like I think like you know before you're about to propose certain you know a certain direction or a certain like idea on like how you want to proceed as a band and like how you want to approach the next album or touring or whatever it is like there's a lot of pressure because you don't know how like people are going to react to that and it's just like you want to make sure that you're clear about what you mean and not like you know mess up what you're going to say and create worry amongst the band members but like because you know we do we do it the way that we do it 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 kind of makes things very clear takes the pressure off everybody's supportive of one another and what they want we all try to come to a, a consensus or a compromise on how we're going to go forward yeah yeah it's 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 good and I, I i resonate with what you were saying of um you know it 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 helps you to get the gumshoe to do it in other areas you know for for sure um so just to kind of to, to transition a bit, I want to address some of the questions that were sent in from our Facebook group, which, by the way, if you're listening and you have not joined uh, the Chocolate Croissants Facebook group, I would definitely encourage you to do so. It's a really active community of people that are sharing things all the time. Um, and, and I don't mean just like, you know, sharing like what they're doing on a daily basis, but people sharing their challenges, asking questions, looking for advice, offering advice. Um, you know, it, it's just a very helpful community that's extremely engaged. And um, if you're if you're curious to know what it's about or if you're looking to have a quote-unquote safe place to be able to communicate with other people that are not going to judge you and that are willing to listen, um, then I would recommend you check it out. So if you want to see it, 
uh, or, or want to go see what's going on there, you can go to facebook.com slash groups slash chocolate croissants. Um, you can just request to be added to the group and uh, one of us, either myself, Jordan, or Justin, will add you guys to the group. Uh, and Jake, if you ever want to hop in there, it, you know we have a lot of the guests that have been on the podcast that are there too, who can take questions directly. And absolutely. Um, and you know, before we did this podcast earlier today, I just posted that you were going to be on, and we got a whole bunch of questions. So I want to dig into that. But um, there was something else that you mentioned, and maybe we already touched on this, um, but I, I, I kind of want to want to uh, touch on it from a different standpoint, you know. And hopefully it's okay. But in the early years of the band. You had a nickname. Oh yeah. You were Rampage. Yeah, I was Rampage. That's and right. and I, you know, it's funny now because I, it's hard for me to remember you like, uh, <laughs> you know, getting pissed about things, because now you're very even keeled and I think you handle things a lot differently. But you had touched on how you think being in this band and being with the group has helped you to evolve as a human being, essentially from who quote-unquote rampage was to who you are now yeah is there a specific instance or is there specific things that occurred that sure. made you do that yeah yeah absolutely and um you were actually there for like my transition i remember a very specific discussion that i'll get to in a minute but uh you know i should explain what rampage is because it sounds uh sounds worse than it really is but it actually was not great it wasn't like something that like you know we all laugh at it but it's like not something that I'm particularly proud of. Like I don't like the fact that that I was such a specific way that it warranted a nickname. Now it's amusing because I'm a much different person. But had I stayed like that, I probably wouldn't be in the band today. Um, so, uh, anyways, I guess Rampage was probably born from all that bullying stuff I was talking about, and like the, you know, you kind of develop your personality based on like what your survival instincts were and my survival instincts were like you know get pissed be tough um you know you're a, you're a short guy like you gotta you know you gotta you gotta get in people's faces if they piss you off or whatever the rest are just gonna walk on you what i didn't know is that there's a balance to that yeah you can be confident and you can be sure of yourself and you can you know stand up for what you believe is the right thing it's you know if there's a lot of negativity surrounding that it's destructive and i had to have some some interactions with with certain band members to kind of realize that that was like the wrong thing and uh you know me and misha used to get into it a lot like you you remember <laughs> oh it's funny because yeah. oh, you know misha was on the podcast and mark was on the podcast and everybody <laughs> talks about having well no, no really uh, what i was gonna say was everybody talks about me and misha mm -hmm. having it out which you're very aware of too but yeah I, I i do recall back then you and misha definitely had some blowouts yeah yeah i you know like it, it just was this thing like where he would catch me at the wrong like there's the i don't know he just has like this uncanny ability or at the time had this uncanny ability to just like he knew how to go through for my jugular and uh he would do it and i would just respond in kind and it wasn't like we're very strong personalities the two of us and we've also been together the longest so like there is a lot of history you know of growing periphery together and you know i i have to say like i am so proud 
of Misha and how much he's just grown as a person and how he's grown as my friend and like I just you know I can't imagine life without him or hanging out with him so I want everyone to know beforehand before I get into this whole rampage business that like that's where me and Misha are now we're like best buddies so like anyways like I guess uh you know there there were various instances when we were touring in a van which is a very a very difficult life and everybody handles it differently and you know I just handled it with a bad attitude and uh you know our, our there were, there were quite a few times I was kind of I was pretty mean to Alex Boyce our our old guitar player and I feel really bad about it and like he's such a nice guy and like you know it's it, he didn't deserve for me to kind of like blow up on him the way that I did like I'm not saying that like any of the things that he did weren't like were okay or, or or not okay i i could just handle my interactions with him better same thing with tom um definitely with misha and there was a point of time i think it was like 2010 2011 where like it was like a practice at marquiti's house or something and i was just we were talking and i'm just like look man i don't think i can be negative anymore i think i need to get that out of my life i think it's destroying me and uh and it, it kind of like it took it, you know that wasn't i didn't just all of a sudden overnight change and i was like the guy i wanted to be i'm still trying to become that guy that i like envisioned i'd want to be but like you know like old jake would see like you know comments on the internet and have to respond to them and like get mad and like you know you know get the upper hand or like um you know if somebody like was picking on me in the group or whatever i'd you know find something I knew that was like hell of embarrassing or like just like get them back as hard as I could and like you know if like something didn't go right logistically like I think Alex got the van stuck in a Alex Boyce got the van stuck in a um, oh god a that was in Florida that, that was in um in Jacksonville. Jacksonville. Yeah. And there was like this, there was this knockdown drag out brawl melee in the parking lot. And there was a, like a hurricane like storm that came and went really quickly. And then once all the dust settled from both those things, we noticed that our van was parked in this part section of the parking lot where there are no other like buses or vans and it flooded. And I'm like, Alex, can you please move the van? And it got like, I just started yelling at him in front of other people. And like, it was just it was bad it wasn't like the, I hated that I did that and I felt really awful we should clarify that the, the knockdown drag out brawl wasn't between us oh yeah yeah I guess I yeah. should have mentioned that yeah there was it was like uh, it was like the, the local, security guards yeah. and, and like some like whatever bands but like uh, I remember, I'll, never, I'll never forget this like this dude this like really really tough looking security guard picked up uh, hi hats. Yeah, yeah, one of your my symbol stands. Yeah, yeah, something. And, and and Alex was like, whoa, 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 whoa. This is ours. This is ours. Put it down. Please put it down. Like, he was like begging with him not to beat the crap out of somebody with one of our yeah. symbol stands. Yeah. Um, it's true. So, but anyways, so he got the van stuck in, in the mud and, and he tried, to, and I yelled at him in front of a couple other friends and I, I definitely like embarrassed him and I embarrassed myself too. And then he went and he went to go move the van, and I guess like because the water like flooded all the ants underground. Yeah, he got attacked by fire. He got attacked by his whole leg was covered. (laughs) (laughs) So like um, that was a pretty shit day. That was the one of the worst days on tour I think I can think of. But um, anyways, it was just one of the rampage moments. I still have a, a a residual rampage 
personality disorder, which is uh, called Airport Shake. But uh, everybody likes Airport Shake because he gets the bill down and he gets uh, bags checked for free yeah. and haven't been kicked out off an airline yet. So that's that's pretty cool. Yeah, I love, I love the... Uh, so just for some context, when we fly international... Air, airlines love to absolutely fuck us on baggage fees, you know, and um, especially because we fly with so much gear and we look like a bunch of degenerates in a band yeah. when we show up. But it's, lot, it's heavy. It's heavy stuff. Yeah, but there seems to be this this like there's there's four of us. There's this group of four that <laughs> that that kind of change between good cop, bad cop, um, and worse cop, and um, it's usually me, you, Alex Marquides are front of house and um and matt rosenblum rosie our tour manager and rosie's always super nice and like you know he does does his best to be cool alex is great at like just kind of finagling what he can i don't want to share his secrets but that dude's got some real good secrets for uh for airports but then it's typically you and me that that will bounce between like good cop and bad cop sometimes i'm like all right jake i I, I'm, i'm working on this i don't i forget where it was but i think when we were flying to from Perth to Korea, maybe or no, oh, from Perth Singapore. to uh, Singapore. Yeah, like they try to charge us like eight thousand dollars in baggage fees on it top would, of. Would have been worth to skip that 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 trip. That like, right, exactly. Yeah. And between the two of us, like, you know, it it, it would have it could have gone two different ways. So sometimes Airport Jake is great. Yeah. Other times Airport Jake. Uh, you want to just kind of like give him a cookie and tell him to yeah, sit down. Yeah, I mean, down. you could, you yeah. I, I kind of knew like, okay, I don't need to be deployed right now because like after like I realized that you guys had it as handled as it could be because like I started giving that that woman an attitude. Like, I know. And then you're like, nah, 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 go go away, and I was like, okay, you got this. Yeah. And then we ended up being able to fly for a bit less money, but it was still gouging. I was she still like, angry. She chopped it. In, I think she chopped it down by like in half or three quarters. Our bill was like between two thousand and four thousand instead of yeah. eight thousand. But yes. But that being said, there's also times when like Airport Jake comes in the clutch and we just kind of sit back and let you do your thing and it works. But <laughs> it usually depends on the person on the other end. If the person on the other end is a raging asshole, right? They want to butt heads. They want to. They want to test their metal against somebody who is also a raging asshole. Right. And yeah. and we let that happen sometimes <laughs> and it's actually really entertaining and it usually works out to our benefit because there's enough of us that when we put our foot down like we can try to get what we want um but you know it's funny like i've seen everybody in this band sometimes be a raging asshole most notably on that same tour when we were in uh we were in taiwan and throughout china oh, we had yeah. some issues with our promoter and um woof that guy's reconsidering his career. <laughs> the the last thing you want is like a combination of me and Misha and Jake. But more specifically on that run. I don't it was, think I have what you guys have. Like you guys like that that was like that was a learning experience for me because I like I saw like this guy just complete he was like deconstructed at a molecular level like with Misha and Matt just tearing him apart it was it was pretty amazing and but he, he deserved, deserved it. it he completely deserved it and there, we're talking like uh, a lot of foul play here like I'm not going to go into the details but it was like it was thievery well, I mean yeah, it, it, was, it was yeah it, it was it was stuff that in the states would be completely illegal yeah there, the cops would be involved exactly um, so, so like Matt and Misha really had it under control and it was like 
it's it's just we're, we're we work well together because we understand like what our strengths are and like where we can be useful in terms of uh negotiating and and being you know because like you, nobody wants to be the, an asshole nobody, no nobody wants to be mean like we i wanted to like that guy i i wanted to i wanted our, our trip to asia to go really smoothly and it did for a lot of it but once we got to his region it was very uh it was sketchy, so he had to be like put in his place. Absolutely. Yeah. So let's let's go a little bit to some of these questions from the group. Now, there's a lot of questions in here about guitar and you know musically based stuff, and I think you probably have answered a lot of those questions in other places. And I, like I, 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 we try to avoid guitar based questions and sure, specific yeah. things like that yeah. any um, any i'll just say anything you want to know like uh, guitar bass wise just hit me up on twitter facebook instagram and i'll try my best to answer those questions yeah and jake like i said if you have a chance to even hop in there's a to the group um i'll preview there's a thread here where if there's certain questions that, that you want to answer directly you can there's a there's sure. like 40 questions plus on this oh, cool. on this thread so awesome. um you know pe- people are really curious so um, one of the one of the questions, um, I guess, uh, and you sort of answered this, but this is from Brianna Ingram. She asked, she says, Jake always strikes me as the quiet but goofy one in the band. I want to know what your favorite things about tour are, or also your least favorites. And is it weird <clears throat> being interviewed by someone you spend hours with already? Like you're on the same bus together and presumably know pretty much everything about each other. Is this weird? Uh, I'll start with that part first. Uh, no, it's not weird. I, I've I've been uh, I've been excited to hopefully uh, get asked to do this because uh, I've listened to the other ones. And uh, and by the way, congratulations on episode thirty-two. That's cool. I didn't Thanks. know you had that many. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, you've been killing it with this stuff, and, uh, you know, I think, like, something Matt understands and something that I understand is that, like, there's a lot more to the machine than just the music or playing or, like, you know, what we do together musically, and there's so much, like, you know how they have reality television shows? I think that, like, if they had the right backing and the right production company, there could be a, a... a good reality TV show about this level of touring. Like, everybody knows what, like, you know, Drake and Madonna and all those guys do. But this tour, this level of touring is incredibly special because it requires a mindset that those people don't have. And it's, uh, it's something that we can kind of discuss and we can kind of discuss, like, how we got here and, and what's going on in our lives outside of just the music stuff. Because the music stuff is just, like that's all over the place now now like we want to delve deeper we want to get into the uh the actual like soul and essence of who we are why we're here why why anything we say should be listened to or or where you could find tidbits of wisdom that might be useful so that's kind of like why i'm i'm excited to do this and the parts of the other question um is uh my favorite thing on tour is hanging out with my boys like it's i spend a lot of time at home alone i have friends there but i do spend a lot of time at home because i have my dog and i'm like a total geek about my place like i all i do is like spend time like making my place exactly the way i want it and i listen to music and i write music and i do all this stuff but when i go on tour it's like my time to just like bro down for a month straight and like get like my male bonding time and go we have this thing called the breakfast club 
you know, I'm sure you've talked about it on the on one of these podcasts, but like there's a couple of early risers in the band, me and Matt and our crew, um, and uh, we just get up and we find like the dopest brunch place or like the coffee spot that's going to be the spot for the day, and we go there and we wake up and we poop and we just like you know, it's it's so fun, like it's just like it's something I really look forward to. Well, um, ju- just in case my girlfriend's listening, I, I don't poop. Oh, okay. Yeah, right, just, just, right. yeah, just, yeah it's that, just us. It, actually, it's just me. It's get, just, that, get that straight, Jake. Yeah, okay. Sorry about that. All right. Um, and then the thing I liked the least, was that part of the question? Yeah, yeah. Um, just being away from my dog. I think you can relate to that. I can 100% relate yeah. to that. Absolutely. It's the most heartbreaking thing about leaving. It's just like... <laughs> I don't know if this is with just him or with all dogs, but it's something, you know, you notice every little, if even just the slightest thing on them is out of place, you notice. And oh, with, yeah. with Tycho, I try to do it very covertly, start packing my bags, but he's, he's he knows. He'll, I'll close the door to my closet where I can, I have enough room in there where I can, like, get packed. But I'll see his paws, like, go in under the, the door, and he's just, like, sitting there, and I could see his nose, like, in the bottom going... Yeah. And he's gonna, he smells the suitcase coming out of the, the storage, and um, so he knows. Oh, it's so, the worst. It's so the worst. It's, it's the absolute worst. And then the physical thing that I can visually see is I'll open the door, and I'll look at his eyes, and they... They're like these undefined pupils. Like, they're just like, and his ears go back, and you can just tell that he is, like, completely destroyed. Yeah. And that's, like, the, that is absolute, that's the worst moment of my life, right then and there. It's like, when I see that, you know, I hate breaking yeah. his heart. Yeah, dude, Tyson lays on my clothing. Yeah, he's like, well, if I lay on this shit, you're not going anywhere. <laughs> yeah, he puts, his, he puts his head down and, like, just totally knows what's going on. And I try to do it a few days in advance, like, right. at least get, get everything ready so that he's, he's okay with like it being in piles and my suitcase being out and like he's like wait oh you're not leaving yet okay yeah, cool yeah but it it i don't know maybe maybe i'm overthinking it but no i don't think you are they're really smart i think uh, people don't give dogs enough credit definitely um here's a here's a more uh a, a just a more fun question from uh ricardo Reck. i think that's how you pronounce it if you could play for an old classic rock band who would it be oh wow uh Maybe Boston. I'm a big Boston fan. Uh, Thin Lizzy. Cool. Um, I mean, I guess like uh, they're they're a lot older at this point. I, I guess like the stuff that I grew up on is starting to become classic rock. But I'd love to play guitar and Corrosion of Conformity. They were one of my favorite bands growing up. Yeah, Corrosion of Conformity was awesome. Yeah. Um, people people are definitely asking about solo material a lot. Um, you know, do you plan on releasing more? Are you working on anything like that now? Yeah, uh, me and Misha just finished an EP uh, that we're mixing and mastering right now, and uh, I'm really stoked on it. And uh, it's kind of like, it's kind of like my electronic stuff, but since I worked on it with Misha and he wrote a lot of it too, it's it was like this perfect union of like his impeccable, amazingly clean production style and like with electronic music. So it was just this really fun project that we worked on together and basically it was um work on music play destiny eat food work on music so on and so forth so it was just this week of just you know doing fun stuff yep 
Yeah. Yep. Um, okay, let's do two more questions, and then um, there's there's one other thing I want to ask you too. Sure. So if you couldn't be a, a guitarist in a band, do you have any other skill sets that might make you good for a different kind of job in or, uh, well, they're asking in the music industry, but even outside the music industry, I would ask. Uh, and that was from Cameron Khan. Oh, okay. Uh, man, I uh, you know I think about this stuff quite a bit because like you know as much as we want to believe that our favorite bands or the bands we listen to are going to last forever they're probably not you're probably gonna you know there's gonna come a time when like uh, you know it just just needs to end or our people are ready to move on or that we they've done what they set out to do so like you know i'm not anywhere near that i don't think anyone is but the you know being prepared is you know the boy scouts motto and it's something we all think about. It's like we want to know what we're going to be doing in case something like this happens. And I've given it a lot of thought. And uh, I guess, like, if I was going to do something in the industry, I'd like to do A&R for um, a guitar company or, or, or a pickup company. You know, ideally, Ibanez or DiMarzio, if they uh, thought I was... Uh, if I had the ability to do something like that, you know, I, I think I'd be really good at, at helping people build guitars and like figure out what they like in their instrument and what they you know or even seeking out new talent um i feel like i have a good sense of uh of what's new and coming out and, and fun and um i guess like outside of music i don't know if i'd do anything i think i would just kind of like if if i wasn't able to kind of just live off my savings and and just stay at home and take care of Tyco then I might get like a part-time job somewhere just to keep the lights on but like I, I think I would kind of uh, live in the woods and grow stuff you know I, my dad has a farm so um, I could probably just uh, go work on that <laughs> that's awesome uh, and it's funny Jordan and Justin who are my other partners for the podcast always comment that like after a good statement I say that's awesome but I genuinely think that's awesome <laughs> so I'm not just saying that to fill the space like I, I I know you've talked about that before and you're pretty resourceful so I think that would be a, a, a really um, appropriate thing that you might do and I could see you doing that yeah um, okay so one one more question um, that's, that's pretty specific uh, from Lucas Succi, I think it's pronounced. So, do you sometimes have days when you do not even pick up uh, pick up the guitar, and when you come back to it, do you feel refreshed? Absolutely, and I think people must do that. I think I, unless you're kind of like, um, like a like a Jason Richardson or like a Matt Gardsko, where you're just like you you practice like your life is practicing, you know, four to six hours a day, and like you're just at that level where your, your, your connection to the instrument requires that, that dedication. I think it's incredibly healthy, at least from, for me to step away from the instrument for a day, for a week, maybe two weeks. I try not to go longer than two weeks because if I don't practice the periphery material, it just goes out of my head. So I have to like keep it fresh. I have to play a couple songs a day or something like that. But it just in terms of just like playing and writing and uh, even practicing stuff, I need to take breaks, periodic breaks from it, because if I don't, I just start going down these uh, these spirals of practicing the same thing or not. Like I need perspective, and I get perspective by by soundtracks, by new music, by go, just even going outside. So like all those things really, really help. And you know, I, I have to take breaks. It's actually essential to me as a player. 
Cool. That's that's good. And I, I we've talked about that a lot on the podcast. Um, the importance of kind of stepping away from the thing that you're that you that you do a lot to get perspective and to sort of um, refine that uh, inspiration that you may need. So that's a it's, it's good to hear that you do that as well. Um, you mentioned new music, so. Uh, Jake, for those who don't know, has he's really active on Spotify, and you have a pretty amazing group, I think, still of Spotify playlists or like one main yeah. playlist. So a lot of people are asking like where you get your electronic music influence from, or what things inspire you musically. Um, so where can people find that Spotify playlist so that they can actually tune into what you're listening to? Absolutely. And, and, are, and are you still updating it? Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm highly active on Spotify, and I, I try to make playlists as often as possible. Um, I'm Jake Periphery on Spotify. and uh, Pretty much on every other social, too, yeah, right? Yeah, I try to keep it consistent so that way, you know, you don't really have to think much about it. Um, but... Uh, yeah, I really owe Spotify a lot. And, you know, there's this, like, kind of, like, when you're an artist, this this anti-streaming sentiment because they don't compensate the artists as much as they should, which I also agree with. However, they offer a service that is just... I think it's the best. I think it's the best in the world. I tried all the other ones. Like, I, I really did. I did my research. I even had Spotify when it first came out, got rid of it, tried a bunch of other things, and I just came back to Spotify. So the the most the hands down most important thing about Spotify to me is the Discover Weekly playlist. And what it does is it 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 pays attention. There's an algorithm that pays attention to your listening habits and what you're into. And then every Monday it populates a a playlist of about 30 songs, and it's all new artists. Like very rarely does it like pop up with a song I've heard before. And if it is, it's just because it's like on a different like compilation or it's like a single the single version or whatever. But every week I get brand new music and at this point I probably have something like four thousand to forty five hundred songs just saved because of that Discover Weekly playlist. And what's cool about it is that like you get you find that one song you like, then you can select show me more like this. And it does a really good job of actually showing you more that's like that. You know, a lot of things offer that service, but they just don't hit the mark. Um, so if you're considering streaming or getting a streaming account or you haven't, you're on the fence about it or, or like, I, I just, I can't say it enough, get Spotify. If you like electronic music, follow Jake Periphery on Spotify and, you know, you'll see all this stuff. I also put my, um, what I'm listening to, that's public. So when, I, when I'm listening to a song, you can see it and uh, that's cool yeah that's definitely cool I mean I, I picked up so much music from you um, I don't personally use Spotify but I you know anything that you're playing in the bus or like in the venue in the backstage rooms wherever it's like more like Jake what is that yeah I'll take notes and I, and I find them on my Apple Music so yeah um, yeah it's, it's uh, Jake's got some good taste and some good music and I see where you get some good inspiration um so unfortunately, guys, we got to wrap up. There's, there's probably a lot more that we could dig into, but um, at some point, I think it'd be really fun to do like a full band episode. At this point, I only have Spencer left to interview out of the periphery gang, but it'd be really fun to get everybody in a room. Maybe we can do it on this tour and just have people sit in on what it's like to have all of us in a room together, completely like kind of candid. Whether it's we're talking about a specific topic or just kind of you know 
talking about the things that we've sort of discussed um, by scratching the surface more in depth as a whole. I think that could be really fun. I think it would be cool. I think it would be give people a window into like how we communicate with each other because I think we're so comfortable with how we are with one another that it'll. I think it would come across good even though we know the record button is hit. Oh, yeah, so, yeah. Like, and, I'm down. Yeah, I, I, I don't... Do you feel comfortable in this scenario with the with the record button yeah, on? Yeah, I, yeah. I, I, you know, like, to me, uh, I've done a few pro- podcasts before and, and I guess, like the attitude is like we're just having a conversation you know yeah and and, and you I can say fuck up. yeah you, you, can say, you can definitely say fuck yeah you can say <laughs> fuck um <laughs> so guys if um if you aren't subscribing weekly already to the podcast, uh, we would absolutely love for you to do so. Um, I consume all of my podcasts uh, through my my iPhone apps. Uh, my app of choice is just simply Apple Podcasts. So I, I subscribe um, shamefully to my own podcast. And the way I did that was just I opened up my app. I went to the search icon, I searched for chocolate croissants, popped right up, and then I hit the subscribe button. And um, typically, you know, every either every Sunday night or early Monday morning, um, our episodes get released. And usually, I'm somewhere if I'm not on tour where I have uh, access to Wi-Fi, so those episodes automatically download to my phone, and I don't have to use up any data. Um, because it's downloading via the Wi-Fi. So if you like the content we're producing, if you've enjoyed the episode so far, then we really encourage you to open up your podcast app of choice and subscribe to the Chocolate Croissants podcast. Um, again, we would absolutely love it if you would be interested in joining our Facebook group. Um, there's a lot of great stuff there, a lot of good value for you. If you need help with anything um, on a personal level, business level, musical level, creative level, you can probably find some good answers there or at least get pointed in the right direction of where to go to get the answers you need. Um, and lastly, if you really enjoyed this episode, um, if you enjoyed our other episodes, then please tell us. Uh, you know, the ratings and the reviews that we get on um on iTunes have been extremely helpful for us to get some more visibility of our podcast. Um, the, the numbers are growing weekly. We're seeing more and more people, uh, listening weekly. And that's a testament to you guys really going out there and spreading the word via word of mouth and also leaving us, um, so far overwhelmingly positive reviews and, and overwhelmingly positive, positive ratings that we are, extremely grateful for. So if you have a few minutes and you'd be willing to share your thoughts and give us a rating, please do so because it not only helps us, but we'd like to think that, you know, we, we, we try to at least provide value every episode and the more value we can provide to more people, then the better it is for everybody. So the more, the better. So with that being said, thank you guys so much for listening to episode 32. Uh, Jake and I are going to go run inside and sound check, and then uh, we're going to get on with the show here in Philadelphia. If you're going to be here tonight, um, let us know after the fact, because this episode won't be out um, until Monday. Let us know if you like the show. Feel free to hop into the group and tell us if you were there, and um, tell us what you think of me and and Jake's stage dynamics. Uh, It's usually pretty fun. Um, And if you had a chance to see the picture that I posted in the Facebook group of Jake, You'll see what I mean. All right, guys. Um, I'm going to go ahead and end this with Jordan's signature sign-off. I'm sorry that Justin and Jordan couldn't be here today, um, but we are in separate locations. So, again, thank you for tuning in to just me and Jake. And uh, with that being said, bye-bye.
Hey guys, Justin here once again. Thank you so much for checking out episode 32 of the Chocolate Croissants podcast. We really, really appreciate you taking the time to listen to these episodes. It means so much to us and we really appreciate it. What was your biggest takeaway from this episode? Was there a line that Matt or Jake said that really resonated with you? Was there a story that Jake told that got you going? Anything, whatever it was, we would love you to join the Facebook group. If you're already a member, comment or message what your biggest takeaway from this episode was. If you're not part of the group yet, go to facebook.com slash groups slash chocolate croissants. We'll get you in. And then please drop us a line and let us know your biggest takeaway from this episode. Your feedback is incredible and we love it. And it's just great for us to actually hear what is the most inspirational thing from each episode so that we can try to double down maybe on something similar for future episodes. That would be awesome, incredible, and greatly appreciated by all of us. One last time, I want to remind you about our sponsor for this episode, and that was Nata Tattoo. And what's super cool is that they're offering this great discount code of 25% off anything in their store. Anything, everything, 25% off. And now to give you a little bit more context about the company, this is taken directly from their website. And I think it says everything that you guys need to hear about the company. It says Nata Tattoo is the premier all natural 100% USDA certified organic tattoo aftercare line. They believe in sustainably resourced ingredients that are cruelty free and of the highest quality. Their mission is to educate tattoo artists and collectors of the optimal way to preserve and care for their tattoos and skin while knowing the products have been formulated and made responsibly. Their tattoo foaming soap and aftercare lotion will allow your skin to heal beautifully, while their tattoo balm will help you keep your ink looking bright and bold for years to come. So, all you have to do is go to natatattoo.com. That's N-A-T-A-T, the number two, dot com, and use the code in all caps, CHOCOLATE25, CHOCOLATE25, the numbers 25 at checkout, and you get 25% off any and all products. Cool. That's it for this week. Next week, I believe, is Javier from Animals as Leaders. Not 100% sure, so join the group if you aren't already a member, facebook.com slash groups slash chocolate croissants. If you are a member, then you'll find out this week. Just stay up to date, get in the group, drop a few lines, see what's going on, and you'll hear from one of us this week announcing that episode 33 will be someone. Pretty sure it's Javier. Pretty sure it's going to be Matt again. So... Thank you guys. As always, we appreciate the support. Big hug and kiss. Love you all. See you next week.